again, everybody, and welcome in to the Prep Extra Podcast, brought to you by the Lincoln Journal Star. We hope you enjoyed your holidays and a happy new year. 2022 is officially here, and that means a new edition of the Prep Extra Podcast. Jeff Extra alongside Luke Mullen. Luke, it's been a while. It's good to see you. It sure has. I mean, uh, a few weeks, obviously, we had a little moratorium period, you know, a few days off for our all the coaches, players, fans, you know, hopefully get some family time, rest and recovery. You know, some of those injuries, ice up that ankle, Yes. you know, get some hot chocolate in you. Hope the snowstorms, you know, pass through with everything. But, you know, once we get into this January slate, it's really crunch time. Yep. You know, once you're into February, you're looking and the season's mostly done. Yep. So, yeah, this this month is is just huge to get these teams, you know, ready for that that crunch run. And, you know, we've got a little bit of separation at this point, a little clearer idea who those top favorites are and, you know, we'll get into that all girls and boys, a lot of different big results over the last couple of weeks. We had holiday tournament action, new set of ratings released a couple days ago, plenty of stuff. You can check all that on prepextra.com. But Luke, let's go over what we missed. And it was a lot. Holiday tournaments, a lot of big results around the state. And even myself, I didn't realize that literally everybody played except for maybe like eight teams. Like yep. everybody plays holiday tournaments. Uh, let's start in girls' Class A basketball. Obviously, the big tournaments were the Hack and the Metro Conference. A little bit uh, of an interesting thing in the Metro Conference. They did try out the shot clock, and Luke, you were there. Uh, 35 seconds, correct, per yep. possession. Um, and yeah, I mean, before we even talk about the results, let's go over what you saw from mm-hmm. your day uh, Your day you went to the Metro and kind of talk about uh, that shot clock and what your thoughts are about it. Yeah, definitely. So 35 seconds, you know, the old college clock before they lowered it down to 30, which I do think is a, you know, a good happy medium. It's not too short. You know, maybe if anything, you know, you could shave a few seconds off, but 35, but, you know, a good amount in general. And just from getting the chance to watch a couple games, I was there on the quarterfinal day. Really, it, it wasn't that noticeable. I mean, only one shot clock violation, I believe, during the girls' quarterfinals and then two or three during the Boyers quarterfinals later that day. So, you know, eight games, less than one per game. You know, the it's not a case of the pace of play at Class A being something that, oh, you need a shot clock to, you know, force these teams into a shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from the coaches I spoke to, pretty much everybody was in favor of it. You know, they, they said it helps develop just that pace, you know, over the entirety of the game, you know, just making sure you kind of stay on track offensively and, and for the most part, I think where it made the biggest impact and, you know, coaches confirm this is obviously those end of game situations, yeah. you know, anything over roughly a minute, you know, left in a quarter, you'll see teams hold the ball, which obviously if you're up, you know, it's a totally understandable strategy. You know, you, you have no incentive really to go for a quick shot, you know, when the other team can get the ball back. But with the shot clock, you know, it just makes sure that, the possessions to end the half kind of go the same way the yep. first six, seven minutes did. And really the end of the game scenarios, you know, when we're getting into, you know, a minute, minute 30 left, you know, being down five, eight, whatever it is. Well, with the shot clock, you know, obviously you can you can get stops. You can get the ball back in your hands and score very quickly. So it just incentivizes, you know, not really fouling in that situation. No. Again, you know, just playing the game out. So to me, really, it, it was definitely not a – a game break or anything close to that just a nice rule change that you know helped the game flow right just made it a enjoyable watching experience and I think definitely 
on the court, I don't think the players notice too much of a difference either. Yeah, I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, we were talking about this a little before, uh, that it's really not going to affect a whole lot of teams. I think the most prominent example is the Auburn boys team and the way they draw out the game and hold for minute-long possessions. But really, I don't think it's going to affect the play of many teams. It's more about the... uh, what. I can't think of the word, but just about logistics. It's about the logistics of it, about getting someone to run it, to buying the actual shot clock in the first place. And I think the Metro Tournament was a good way to start. Start with the Class A scene and see how that affects. And I think before the NSA really seriously considers bringing it aboard and making it a thing, I think you're going to slowly start to see the shot clock being tried out slowly from the top to Class A, B, slowly down to C1, C2, and D, and see how it goes. Definitely. I mean, these Class A schools, I think, you know, just anybody who follows it regularly knows the style of offense is that, so that, you know, 30, 35 seconds isn't too much of a concern. And, you know, seeing it at Metro, Gretna, Coach Brad Feekin, you know, that's a team that traditionally does slow it down a little bit. You know, I watched them beat Lincoln East, or lose to Lincoln East, sorry, in like a 45-40 game earlier this year. And they were going up against Bellevue West in the Metro. So, you know, I asked them, you know, teams are going to hold the ball against yeah. Bellevue West regardless. So did that, you know, impact your game plan at all? And, you know, he said, yeah, we, you know, we probably would have tried to slow it down a little bit more. But at the end of the day, you know, you're still running your same offense. You're yeah. still looking for the same shots. So, you know, the percentages, those are going to, you know, fall wherever they lie. So ultimately, you know, the, the shot clock is really just a tool to kind yeah. of produce that style of basketball that you want to play. And so, yes, you know, definitely those lower classes, there can be the adjustments, you know, spaces in the gyms, obviously, um, you know, updating some of their, you know, coaching techniques, you Mm -hmm. know, the style you play, that is going to be something that is a concern, you know, something that people are going to have to take into account. But definitely for Class A next year or two, that could definitely be something that is implemented very quickly. And, you know, ultimately it's it could not really be a debate in in a year or two's time, just something that that's there and, you know, people roll with it. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to, like you mentioned, just institute an A and B for a couple of years, mm-hmm. see how it goes, and then try and down to the lower classes. Because yeah. obviously that's the big question mark. It's not about the upper classes. It's about how the lower classes can deal with it. Indeed. And, there, you know, throughout kind of the lawmaking process, there are a couple of different rules proposals, you know, one class A only, one A and B only. So no. depending on which variation, you know, ends up getting passed up through that process, definitely that could happen. And uh, I do like the proposition of uh, less games with foul fests near the end. I I always like that. Well, let's recap what happened at the Metro Tournament. And the top two seeds made it all the way through uh, at Baxter Arena. Number one, Millard South remains undefeated at 10-0, defeating number two, Omaha Central, 77-68 in that final. And, Luke, that's a very, very realistic Class A final come March. Definitely. The the talent on those two teams, I mean, you know, one to five is just incredible throughout the yeah. starting lineups. And Millard South won it without Cora Olson on the court as well, one of their, their main stars too. So credit to the depth. You know, we've we've seen that kind of young core just dominating all year for Millard South. You know, Central, they got some great guards and, and forwards as well. So that was a great game. You know, you, you saw a couple of different other Metro teams, you know, bow out a little bit earlier. Bellevue West had a good run. Miller North, uh, you know, a tough game to get through early in the tournament as well. So those teams were in the mix in the Metro, but definitely those top two, Millard South and Central, nobody's really been able to knock them off their perch so far. And with 
Central's only loss being to Millard South, you know, still definitely up there one and two. And then you go on to the hack that was here in Lincoln, and you have a Fremont team who right now is rated number three. They have been plagued by Lincoln Pius X the last couple of years, not only in the hack final, but including last year's state Class A state championship when the Thunderbolts won their second consecutive, and they get the better of the Bolts this time. 59-47 the final, and the Tigers are saying, hey, look out for us. We got some players, including Taylor McCabe and Iowa Commit. Definitely, and it you know, it probably had a very familiar feeling to the the Fremont fans. Rode out to a big lead. You know, Pius kind of chipping away. Started the third quarter, but the difference in this game was just Fremont's three point shooting. Uh, McCabe, Shepard, a couple of their different other players, all were just hitting those three pointers when they needed. And you know, always Pius the tenth. They have a kind of more methodical offense. You know, slow it down against Fremont. Obviously, the way to play. But they got their shots up. They converted them at a at a high percentage and that's why they finally got that hack yes. championship you know they're they're playing great basketball again this year so you know you look at the metro champion the hack champion you think you know they got to be up there yeah. state tournament contenders and definitely nothing you know nothing to change that idea after this week and we've talked about in the past before luke of how this year is gonna be a really good year for basketball girls and boys for lincoln um in that's something to say when you say Lincoln Southwest and Lincoln I suffered their first losses in the hack tournament. So they went through all of December um, until the hack in the Southwest. They lost to Fremont on their way to the title, 69-42. Uh, and then when you look at Lincoln High, they lost to Lincoln East in the opening round. Yep, and that Lincoln East team, they're a, a contender in the, le- in the latest rankings from Clark Grell up on our website, journalstar.com. And, you know, that's a team that made the state tournament last year, graduated a lot of a lot of stellar top-notch players and they've you know they start off slow but you know picking up some big wins here developing some momentum them and Lincoln Northeast among the contenders so several ranked Lincoln teams another two just outside a lot of you know parity and you know ability to kind of separate those teams in the coming weeks well someone that has separated themselves from a lot of teams and that's Alcor North in class B they are still undefeated and have just demolished any team that stood in their way but their schedule gets up a little bit here they have Omaha Scut this week on uh January 7th they're 8-0-2 undefeated two undefeated yep indeed and I I don't think you know Elkhart North has played a game within 20 points I mean they've all been just <laughs> lopsided scores you know blowouts put it away early in the game you know, that type of contest. So to me, this Scut game is not so much just a test of whether Scut's a contender as well, because we know they are. You know, they've they've proved that so far. But how close are they to contending against Elkhorn North? Because comparing it back to last year, Norris was kind of that top team, and they had a couple battles with Elkhorn North, a mm-hmm. very close game in the regular season. So, you know, they, they met again in the state tournament. It was a close game again. So when you have that obvious number one and, you know, they're going up against a two yeah. or a three, I mean, it, if they win by 15 or 20 like they have been doing, it just it just goes to show that there might be a clear gap there. If Scott can keep it close, then, you know, we have a much more crowded kind of state tournament picture. But for now, they are kind of yeah. leading the pack by a long way. And then they have Broken Bow on January 18th. They're 6-2. and two. But the other big one, it's right at the end of the year, right before Districts, they take on Norris. They host Norris on February 11th. We'll talk about that when it gets closer, but something to look forward to further down the schedule of Class B. In C1, 
Uh, number one, North Bend Central keeps on rolling, as well as number two, Lincoln Lutheran. Those two remain kind of separated from the rest in terms of the top two in C1. Definitely. And, you know, the interesting thing about those two teams is slightly different styles. You know, yeah. North Bend, they, they put up the points, they push it. Lincoln Lutheran, they slow it down, they smother teams, you know, run them out of the gym by the fourth quarter with their half-court press. So, to me, that's super interesting to see how those two styles are going to you know, develop over the whole season. And the case in both C1, boys and girls, just a, a whole group of you know, teams after that at the top, I think. You know, Malcolm's in the mix as a, a stellar team. You can make the run a ton of other top 10 teams there in C1 with just one or two losses uh, kind of hunting around. So you got those top two, but coming weeks, you know, any of those other teams, they can make a big rise, you know, move themselves up there. I saw Lincoln Lutheran girls play Holdridge in their holiday final. They ended up winning 34-21, but they were down by two at halftime. Took a 10-0 run out of the break to win that one. And, yeah, Luke, what you said, they slow it down. The problem is I think they're going to have if they face North Bend Central is that they don't – Lutheran's very balanced. I mm-hmm. think Abby Wackle yeah. is their lean scorer, but it's not like the two players that North Bend Central has. So Indeed. it's going to be – like you mentioned, it's going to be fasting and see how those – play styles develop and when or if they play each other in the state tournament it'll certainly be interesting to look at in c2 hastings st celia looking strong wins over class b number four york and c1 number four carney catholic uh and bridgeport is up there as well we've talked about both of those teams and again like in c1 they continue to kind of separate themselves yep those top two looking really strong you know again some challengers outside those ranks but when you have Hastings, you know, beating top five teams in the two classes above them, you know, that, that just goes to show they're, they're one of the best teams in the state. Bridgeport right there, too. I mean, the, those two teams are going to be really fun to watch. Well, that's it for the girls' basketball these last couple of weeks. Make sure to check out PrepExtra.com for Clark Grail's latest rankings as we get into January. And now let's go into boys. We'll start in Class A, the Metro Final. Omaha Westside wins their first Metro Conference tournament since 2003. Kind of hard to believe it's been that long, almost 20 years. Defeating Miller North by 13 points. And in the semi, beat Bell West by 12 to win the title. Or am I flipping that? No, they beat. That's right. Okay, they did. Okay. And to me, you know, I I had to include those stats too because that's really really notable. I mean, yeah. They didn't win by three or four, you know, a last second, you know, shot or some kind of fluke. You know, obviously fouls play in, you know, they stretch kind of those those leads at the end of the game a little bit. But by and far, you know, Westside was the best team in the Metro tournament. They they had that early season loss to Miller North, and they meet him again in the semis. They know it's going to be a tough game and do pretty well to slow down Jason Green, get past Miller North. And then the finals against a, a Bellevue West team that hasn't, hasn't lost to a Nebraska opponent all year. You know, they, they've they basically been the golden standard for offensive basketball. And to go out there and outscore them, you know, have a, a really stellar scoring performance themselves was super impressive to me. And, you know, not just the fact that Omaha West had had a lot of players coming back. You know, that was something all year that you thought was going to help contribute. But just the pure scoring ability that they've showed, Payson Gillespie, Logan Wilson, Reggie Thomas – Tate Oddvody, I mean, those are four guys who can all average double figures. Yeah. And on any given night, that is just going to be so tough to stop. You know, Bellevue West, they have great depth. They have great scores too. But when you have that ironclad, you know, kind of starting five, they know, you know, they know what their role is. They have the 
you know, the ability, the minutes to go out there and do their stuff. And from what we've seen from Westside, definitely deserving of that number one ranking. It was the third quarter that doomed Bellevue West in that Metro final. Uh, Westside outscored the Thunderbirds 28-20. to uh, Certainly impressive. Three players in double digits for Westside, including uh, Tate o- Odvody with 20 points. Um, Josiah Dotzler had 24 to lead Bellevue West. He's been really impressive. Dotzler, he had 27 in the semifinal, I believe, and then 24 in the final. He's kind of taken take over what Chucky Hepburn kind of left behind. And, Definitely, um, yeah. Yeah, he's been really impressive. He's got to be up there in terms maybe of player of the year up there in that group. Yep, great pull-up shooter, um, just all over the place, great passer of the ball too, great attitude on the court as well, a real hard worker. And going to be interesting to see his, you know, recruiting kind of take off. You know, he's been contributing for Bellevue West for a couple of seasons yeah. now since the freshman. So, obviously, he has that experience. And wanted to note, you know, my I had a hot take going in mm-hmm. our last episode that if Bellevue West made it through Metro unscathed, they'd be undefeated heading into rematch against Miller North. Well, they didn't make it through mm-hmm. unscathed, um, which I, I think probably Coach Woodard will be fine with, you know, having – the experience of a, of a challenge like that against Westside, being able to see that team. And so you just have that top three right there, Miller North, uh, Westside, and Bell West right there at top of the pack. I think for Westside, too, going to be interesting to see not the toughest schedule coming up, Omaha Bryan, Omaha Burke, Papillion La Vista, Omaha South, two very good teams, and then a big rivalry game. Creighton Prep comes to their place January 21st. Always a huge one for both yeah. those teams. Even bigger if Westside's still number one. They play Omaha Central on February 11th, right before districts. They actually avoid Bellevue West and Miller North in the remainder of the schedule, so they won't have to play them again until the postseason. Yep. So good for Westside. It looks like they may be, uh, just based on their schedule, they may be the favorite to win out and get that number one seed come district time. But plenty of basketball. Let's not get there quite yet. Uh, Over in the hack, my, my campaign starts now, Luke. My campaign starts now to get you to put Lincoln Northeast inside the top five. They're number five right now. They won the hack, defeating Pius X. They remain undefeated, the last undefeated uh, in Class A at 9-0. and I like the Rockets. I really do. I like Monty Ritchie. I like Xander Beard. I like Porter Basil. They're a good team. Yeah, a great, you know, like kind of tough, gritty team yep. that, you know, wins those close games, makes the clutch shots that they need to, and that definitely helped them during the hack. You know, going in, Lincoln Southwest, the top seed, obviously they were there in contention to to win it all. But I just had a feeling it wasn't going to be the top seed. You know, it wasn't going to be just a case of, you know, one and two, just winning the games that they should. There was going to be some surprises that happened early on. North Star beat Lincoln East, Lincoln Northeast taking down Southwest to the top seed. So really interesting, you know, just to see the way that those results played out. Again, you know, showing how close all those different Lincoln teams are. Yeah really competitive games and for northeast you know winning a, a tight one against south southwest in overtime and a near uh game tying buzzer beater from Pius as well in the final um just some really close efforts i think a little bit you know the offensive output was not at its greatest for northeast they've had better offensive games but when you get those close city games you know the yeah. the pressure and environment you know there's there's really something on the line when it is a a conference tournament that type of low-scoring game, defensive effort, that is exactly what you need. And I haven't seen a team better at that all year than Northeast. And what I really like from them offensively is just the well-rounded approach. Got a ton of guys who can pop up at any minute. 
Carlos Valdez, great at getting to the rack. Christian Wynn, their leading scorer. Porter Basil, great rebounding and kind of, you know, being that big man distributor in the post. A couple other different great guards off the bench. G. Gatner scored 19. You know, coming off the bench is incredible there in the final. So great six, seven-man rotation for Northeast. You know, getting through the the opening stretch of the year undefeated, the opening month is just a a great boon for them. But we know they have more difficult games coming up going to be really hard to keep that undefeated streak going but you know being best team in Lincoln up there at number five the Rockets really having a great year I think the x factor is G Gatner Mm -hmm. and I when I covered I watched Lincoln Northeast blow by Southeast in the half quarterfinal and I was talking with head coach Monty Ritchie afterwards and all those guys on the floor for Northeast are homegrown they originally started Northeast it's an interesting story with Gatner because he started at Northeast freshman year. His family moved into the district of Lincoln High, but he kept in contact with the guys on the Northeast basketball team. And so they decided for a senior year, I don't know how it worked out, but he ended up back at Northeast here for a senior year. And now they're 9-0, and and he had a team high 19 points to lead him to a hack final. Yeah, uh, a real high-energy guy off the bench, too. Just the, the perfect guy for that role. And that Northeast team, you know, it, it shows in their toughness. They play together. You know, they play as a unit, getting on the ball, yep. getting on the ground for those, you know, loose basketballs, whatever you need. Yeah. You know, we, we both say that, you know, Coach Richie does a great job getting them prepared, um, you know, getting them to fight for all those games. And they've had some adversity, too, already this year. You know, big deficits to overcome um, earlier in the season against Bryan and again in the hack, too. So a team that can do that consistently over the course of the year is, is definitely in a good spot. They have a couple big ones coming up that we'll talk about just in a little bit. But let's move on down to Class B, where Omaha Scott remains the cream of the crop. And B, they remain undefeated, but number two, Platteview, and number three, Runcali on long winning streaks as well. Yep. And, you know, Scott, too, they're playing a great a great style of basketball that they always do, some low-scoring results. But, you know, ultimately that's winning them games. They have the playmakers that they need to put up the points when they need to. And this this is going to be one of the best weeks, I think, of of regular season Class B basketball we get all season. Uh, Just the matchups this week, especially among the top five, are are super interesting. Probably some potential to, you know, shake up the way we we view these teams. But Plaffey's had a really tough schedule so far. Scott's beaten some really good opponents, so definitely deserving of those top spots. And then you got into the middling area of the rankings. Beatrice lost to Elkhorn in the first round of the North Platte Holiday Tournament. And Beatrice, I think they've surprised a few people. I, at least I'm surprised, considering that they lost a whole lot from last year's state uh, championship team. But they remained up there, um, and Scott's Bluff is up to number four after beating Bennington, while Waverly and Norris play them this week. Yep, and Beatrice, they got a whole new uh, kind of group of players, a lot of new guards um, that were up at JV, um, you know, or even on the bench for varsity last year. They've really just emerged and you know, stepped up into those spots that they needed. And Beatrice, they're right up there, number two in the last ranking. So, you know, only one loss dropping them down a bit. But, you know, ultimately the Class B landscape, it's it's still a little bit mudded right now. Elkhorn, you know, I look at them down at number nine, a team that's four and four. And I think every opponent they've played has had a winning record, been around 500, just a really tough schedule. And, you know, Elkhorn, they play teams close too. So, you know, yeah. it's kind of hard to... You know, no, they could be number nine or they could be number four. Yeah. You know, ultimately, it's it's really hard to say at this point of the year. You got Norris down there as well. Um, some contenders, Sydney, Elkhorn North had a really tough start. 
Mount Michael, Aurora, York, you know, all teams that I think can make a run. So the competition in Class B has been great. Some big matchups this week. We'll touch on those. But I see that top 10, top 12, you know, whatever it is. And there's just tons of potential, I think, in Class B to have some some unexpected teams. Well, just like Class B, C1 is wide open, and you got a few uh, early storylines there. Number one, Ashling Greenwood beaten by two Byron Colley. Uh, but I don't really think you can take away from a team that lost to a top uh, Class B team. But then you have Cardi Catholic, who's number two. They continue to impress. And then Wayne's undefeated. Absolutely. Just like, just like yeah. we're, we're, we're going to have the same discussion around state basketball like we did with state football with C1, how just absolutely wide yeah. open. And, you know, we'll even have to take into account the teams that didn't even make it, you know, yeah. who were so good. So, yeah, Ashland got to see them put a really good game against on against Wahoo, also went over Milford, some of those top C1 teams. So they're they're still up there at number one for me. But you look at Kearney Catholic, and they do have some impressive wins as well. You know, just that loss to Scott standing in the way. Wins over Boone Central, good C2 team in Amherst. Win over York Hastings, some some Class B teams as well. So they, they got a huge game up ahead uh, against Grand Island Central Catholic. That's going to be just a barn burner, two of the best teams yeah. from those classes. Um, so super interested to see what happens there. Win there could definitely uh, give Kearney Catholic the boost they need to number one. And they might face GICC again when Centennial Conference tournament time comes around. Uh, and the Kearney Catholic team's good. They, I remember being around and hyping them, hyping up this class of basketball players, and it's coming to fruition a little bit for the Stars. Um, and then moving on to, or I think we should talk about quickly about Auburn. Yep. And C1 there. What did the winning streak get up to? 67, wow. I believe. Yeah, third longest in, in state history. Yeah. That was snapped on December 18th when they lost the D.C. West 54-52 in overtime. But then when they were at the Wayne State Holiday Tournament, they lost to Hardington Cedar Catholic 71-69 in six overtimes. I think after this one, they're going to say, do not let any yeah. games go to overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we got to win this in regulation. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's a good DC West team, you know, definitely a little bit outside of that top ten kind of contender status, but five and three so far on the year, definitely their their best win right there, a lot of talent. And again, Cedar Catholic, a, a top five team there in C two. And I, I don't think Auburn, you know, expects to to score about seventy points in many of their games, you know, even if it does take yeah. six overtimes to to get there. So that was definitely a different different challenge for them there. You know, always felt this Auburn team was, you know, maybe a little bit below the level of mm-hmm. those last two state tournament teams. Going to be a lot tougher to, you know, make the whole regular season out undefeated. So, yeah, taking those early two losses, again, don't think it'll mind Coach Weeks. Yeah. You know, every team is has their own unique journey. And, you know, if this one goes into state with a few losses on the record, you know, it'll make them better, uh, better for it. They got a huge game. Lord Central Catholic here coming up in a w- about a week and Falls City Sacred Heart here also on the schedule in, in January. So another two big games there to you know, see what progress they can make from those overtime losses. It's hard to replace arguably one of the best players in program history in Cam Binder yeah. as he goes to UNK. Uh, and then in C2 to round things out, nothing has really changed. Humphrey, Lindsay, Holy Family, GICC, and Dauphin Trumbull, uh, those are the top three, and they all continue to roll. Yep, absolutely. Uh you know, those three teams, they're going to be in action 
games against each other. Howells Dodge right behind there and Hardington um, to round out the top five. Freeman, Norfolk Catholic, and I mean the the list goes on there in C2. I got Cross County in the contenders. I think they're definitely a state tournament possible team as well there. So C2, a lot of competition and super interested to see what happens this week. Those games at the top are going to tell us a lot. Well, speaking of this week, we're going to preview that, but first we're going to take a break. You're listening to the Prep Extra Podcast, brought to you by the Lincoln Journal Star. Don't go away. Previewing what's coming up after this. Welcome back. Prep Extra Podcast, Jeff Ekstrom, Luke Mullen. We're talking high school basketball and what's going on this week. We got plenty of action. The January slate is officially here, and that's where things continue to ramp up in this high school basketball season. Luke, let's start in girls basketball. Big in-city matchup. I mean, overall, both boys and girls, it's a big city week here in Lincoln. Yep. Uh, Number five, Pius at number six, Lincoln Southwest on Friday. And those two programs, arguably, you know, the most consistent really in the city over the last couple of years, being state tournament contenders, always one I'm sure they they circle on their calendar because they're two well-coached teams and, you know, always able to test themselves. Pius, you know, really been impressed with just keeping up the same level of, you know, intensity, scoring, and just overall style of play without Alexis Markowski. You know, they're still getting points out of their post still kind of running the same style of offense. So they're doing great. And Southwest, a lot of talented players, Kennedy Williams, young guard, um, she's having a phenomenal year. And that Southwest team, you know, coming off their first loss in the hack too. Okay, you know, you get the the two-time defending state champs. <laughs> yeah. That's always going to be going to be a big challenge. So great opportunity for, for both of those teams to pick up another quality win. And then Lincoln Northeast takes on Fremont as well, the yeah. hack, champ, uh, hack champs. Um, and then in B... Like we mentioned already before, number three, Scott, and number one, Elkhorn North on Friday. And again, Luke, like you mentioned, this is kind of a uh, – you stick in the temperature into your uh, turkey and seeing uh, how hot it is. You're, you're, it's a heat check trying to see where we're at. Absolutely. And not, not, not the best, but yeah. before, I, I can't help <laughs> but to be honest. But it to kind of see where the landscape is. Yeah, and that's a good Scott team. Again, state tournament contender last year, Peyton McCabe, uh, phenomenal guard for them as well. So they're going to need to score to keep up with Elkhorn North, or alternatively, you know, they're going to need to <laughs> yeah. shut them down. But I think everybody knows that's that's probably not going to happen. You're going to have to keep up with them. So really interested to see where that score lies, you know, 50, 60, see where the scoring goes up to because that will tell us a lot. And then in B, another big one, number five, Adam Central, who's in class B, uh, take on C2, number two, Bridgeport. Yep, big game for both of those teams. And Adam Central, um, you know, I believe a C1 qualifier a year or two ago. So obviously they've they've kind of towed the line with enrollment there. You know, it's not a as drastic as you might you know think playing mm-hmm. up two classes, but still, you know, for Bridgeport if they can if they can pull off that win, just goes goes to show their quality up there as that C2 contender. And Adam Central, you know, if they beat that team, you might consider them in that upper echelon of Class B. And that game is actually at the Viero Center in Kearney. It is the first year of the girls' basketball showcase, kind of the uh, 
fellow tournament like the Heartland Hoops Classic, um, but yeah. this one just for girls basketball. A very cool thing to see, and um, I think it's going to be a pretty cool event um, there in Carney. A couple of good matchups there. Uh, and then boys basketball, obviously, like we mentioned, big city week. Lincoln Northeast goes through the hack again, six of the next seven games against fellow hack opponents, beginning with Lincoln East and a rematch of the hack final against Pius X. Indeed, and one game against a non-hack opponent from Northeast, Miller North. So a really tough schedule coming up. Going to be really interested to see the rematch against Pius. You know, obviously the East game before that, Pius, those are two really different teams that are going to challenge you in different ways, guard play versus forward play. So, you know, to see how they can adapt, you know, a one-day prep, you know, turn around and, and play a team like that just like they did in the hack, you know, Obviously, they they have to be familiar with the personnel, you know, having just played each other. So can Pius make adjustments to get their offense going up and have a little bit better offensive day? You know, if if Northeast wins those two games, you know, and and can keep, you know, riding the momentum, picking up those wins, adding to their total, that would be just huge for them. But I think, you know, one of those two games, you know, we don't have a bold take today. We don't have a yeah. hot take. I'll just say Lincoln Northeast, you know, their their undefeated streak. Sorry, Jeff, it might might come to an end this week. Yeah, my this is the toughest part of the schedule for Lincoln Northeast. Absolutely, East Pius, obviously, all hack opponents with Miller North in there. But then after they finish their hack tour, uh, finishing up with Grand Island on January twenty eighth at Elkhorn South at North Star, hosting Creighton Prep. Then they're at Miller South, we're all quality opponents. Then it calms down a little bit to finish out the year with Bell East, Norfolk, and Fremont. But this is where we get to see, is this a legit Lincoln Northeast team, which I think they are? Or is it kind of they just on a hot run and then with the tough schedule kind of brings them back to earth a little bit? We will see. It's going to be a really good week of basketball, especially in the city. Uh, we are talk about Pius X. They take on Southwest as well as Northeast. That's going to be really interesting because, again— yeah. I hate to say the word disappointing. I mean, I think Pius X is feeling that as well. It just their record doesn't show what we thought in the preseason what they would be. And I think this is a good week to kind of bounce back and kind of say, hey, we've taken some lumps, but we're there. Yeah, and both those teams to me, Southwest and Pius, they haven't really reached their full potential yet. No. You know, we, we've definitely seen flashes, you know, different games where their offense was running the right way. You know, they were playing the exact style of basketball they wanted. But, you know, when when the scoring drops down a little bit, you know, you you have those rough patches. Definitely Pius had a a tough game against Northeast to to get their offense going for four quarters. Saw that against Bellevue West earlier in the year. You know, same thing for Southwest, missing um, a couple of pieces there at forward, out with injury, and, you know, some down scoring games as well. So, bounce back game potential or you know another tough one to take and you know taking another loss and and dropping down a little bit in those standings it's gut check week for all these hat (laughs) teams yeah Yeah. (laughs) in class b then uh it's again a big week for class b number three omar and kali plays number two platteview and number one omaha scott Yep, and when you when you're in the metro i think you always know you're going to have a tough schedule just the amount of quality basketball teams yeah. around around you in your class. So Roncalli getting the best of it there with Platteview and Scott. And Roncalli definitely, you know, one of those top five teams. I think, you know, even if they go out of that stretch 0-2, they'll still be a better team, you know, having played those top two teams in their class. 
You also have Scott's Bluff coming down down east for games against Waverly and Norris. You got a couple other uh, big top ten games there in Class B as well. So we're going to have a lot of shakeup there. I can I can see it already next yes. week. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go down to C two and a couple of huge matchups. GICC taking on C one Carney Catholic, and then GICC turns around and plays C two number three Dauphin Trumbull the next day. Now we we are I already mentioned gut check. Then I mean that ramps it up a little bit for GICC. Absolutely, and in Donovan, I believe so. You know, undefeated team. If Grand Island's undefeated coming in, not that long of a drive either. So that is going to be a packed gym, loud environment. You know, one of the best teams Donovan Trumbull's put out there in a couple of years. So to see if they can go up against Grand Island Central Catholic, you know, maybe they'll be a little winded. You know, have a little bit less one day after playing a, a great opponent like Carney Catholic. Just super interested to see where that happens. You know, see to what the the ultimate you know final score is there i think central catholic they have the ability to to really score the points but both carney catholic and donovan they're going to be really tough defenses to break down if you take away one thing from today's podcast episode it's a good time to be a basketball fan plenty of great matchups and you can take a look at all of our coverage on prepextra.com gamers features ratings basketball summaries everything that you need to be an in-depth High school basketball fan, we got it for you on prepextra.com. Luke, where are you headed? Tell us uh, where you're headed this week. Absolutely. Got a, a couple great city teams to check out, Lincoln Christian and Crete on Thursday. Going to go out of the area a little bit for Malcolm and Milford on Friday. Great uh, C1 matchup there. And then Saturday back in the city, uh, check out uh, Pius and, and Northeast. Both boys and girls in that one. Big matchup, top 10, top 10 team, Northeast just outside. So going to check out those city teams and – you know, just really nice to see kind of the the great width of teams we have. A lot of 500 or above, you know, yeah. we've mentioned it a couple of times, but the level they play in at is just fantastic and, and looking forward to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. There you go. So make sure to pay attention to Luke, not only on PrepExtra.com and his stories, but also on Twitter at lmullen 7 for his recaps and his latest updates on the game he's covering, as well as just other high school sports takes and you can follow myself as well at x on sports and at prep extra for all updates and other summaries as well that's gonna do it from this episode of the prep extra podcast thank you so much everybody for listening plenty of basketball this week enjoy it